Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producers are Terrence Malgone and Joe Ingelbreck. Today we have uh, two guests. First up is James Andrew Miller. Uh, he has been a guest on this podcast many times. Jim Miller is a best-selling author um, and for this podcast specifically, the best-selling author of the oral history of ESPN, Jim Trotter, the uh, fine and well-respected NFL writer, now works for NFL Media, previously worked at ESPN and Sports Illustrated. And we will be discussing and we will be focused on what is going on at ESPN right now regarding Dan Lebertard's comments about uh, Donald Trump, as well as uh, ESPN, and specific to Lebertard's comments about um, ESPN uh, not having the stomach for the fight in reference to where the line is between commentators discussing race, political issues, uh, social inequity, etc. Um, so Jim Miller and I start with a discussion on this sort of uh, uh, from what how this is playing inside ESPN, what might be happening heading forward, and then Jim Trotter follows, and that's a discussion with a former ESPN employee who had to deal with these social media guidelines and is also very, very close with Jamel Hill and Jim Trotter, uh, for those of you who don't know, a person of color. So this uh, issue um, is uh, something very, very important to him given the comments that Lebertard made. I think you're going to enjoy this podcast. Um, and uh, we tried to be sort of as honest as we can. I'm sure some of you will not, but uh, um, but uh, but those of you who keep an open mind, I think it's going to be interesting for you. So Jim Miller first, and then Jim Trotter second, coming up on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, Jim Miller has been a guest on this podcast many, many times. He is, of course, a uh, multiple times New York Times bestselling author. Specific to this podcast, of course, he wrote uh, essentially the definitive oral history of ESPN. These guys have all the fun. He's written many, many ESPN stories. And I bring him on today as um, Dan Lebertard's comments about ESPN and about uh, President Trump's rally are in the news. And Jim Miller joins us on the Sports Media Podcast. Jim, welcome back. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, I'm not going to – I think if you're listening to this podcast, you know full well what uh, Dan Lebertard's comments were, what they were regarding, why he said it, and specifically his point about ESPN not having the stomach for the fight when it comes to discussing um, race – uh, social issues, social justice, politics, without there being some kind of, well, I guess, you know, uh, both Levitar and I would sort of agree, some kind of sort of created sports connection. Um, so, Jim, let's just go top-line observations. You've been covering, writing about ESPN forever. How do you view what is happening within the situation? Look, I think it's the latest example of the fact that this entire situation sucks, and it sucks for everyone. Um, ESPN has been wrestling with a social media policy for over a decade now, and it reads like an EKG. And there are times when it's made sense, and there are times when it hasn't made sense. And there have been examples when they've conformed to their policy, and there have been examples when they haven't. But, you know, this is, this is basically a hopeless situation for everybody. Because if you're ESPN talent, you know, they used to say, some executives used to say to ESPN talent, as soon as you wake up in the morning, you begin as a representative of ESPN. So that means that, the, that those four initials kind of like wash over your life like a tsunami to the point where you're not able to express your own individual thoughts, right? And that can be really tough for people who wound up being an analyst or a commentator or a show host or whatever, because they're really good at expressing opinions and they know how to formulate opinions and they want to be relevant and they want to comment on what's going on, not just in the sports world. So that's been a very difficult thing for many. And then on the corporate side, you have this situation where all your research is telling you that fans don't want politics and your corporate parent in Burbank is saying, get politics the hell out of here because it's definitely hurting our brand and we can't risk 
any kind of diminishing, you know, revenue streams here as a result. And they were being attacked, uh, you know, for years uh, about there was a political bent to, to the brand, which they had to make sure they got rid of. So it's, you know, it's that old joke. It's, you know, bad food in small portions. There's just no good news here. And until it gets fixed, um, these things are going to be happening because people like Dan are passionate about their convictions. Dan is an immigrant. He comes to this with a particular vantage point and a lot of passion, a lot of sincerity. He actually then kind of not only articulated his own thoughts, but then decided to go for a twofer and uh, comment about ESPN's policy, which usually does not work out well um, for ESPN employees. But I think the, sorry to ramble, but I think the, the footnote here is I've been kind of amazed by the lack of a public reaction um, during, you know, since he made those utterances. Okay, so there's a lot to obviously unpack, and I should let the audience know. We're taping this on Tuesday morning, July 23rd. Many things can change by the time you listen to this, but that's sort of the time element as to when Jim and I are talking. All right, so a couple of things here, Jim. One of the things I think that both of us have seen with ESPN, having covered this place for such a long time, is the something that they really dislike, whether it's John Skipper as president, George Bodenheimer as president, or Jimmy Pitaro, is ESPN employees attacking ESPN. And so I want to sort of drill down on this to start. How much of of whatever ESPN management is thinking or how much of what ESPN management is, is not happy about is Lebertard saying, we here at ESPN don't have the stomach for the fight. How much of this is about Lebertard criticizing his employer as opposed to the content of what he said, which was about Donald Trump racist comments and the reaction from those comments at that rally? Because these are two different elements. There's the content of what Lebertard is saying um, in terms of his reaction to Trump. And then there is Lebertard saying something specifically about the company. It's got to be 50-50 because the first part, the comments about Trump are, I mean, with all due respect to Dan, a violation of the, the policy that they've articulated. And the second part is something that every employee knows, um, you know, for quite some time. Look, Tony Kornheiser once got suspended for two weeks without pay, mind you, for criticizing Hannah Storm's wardrobe. And that was just a signal that you can't criticize management and you can't criticize your colleagues. And they have gone through this with Bill Simmons and with others time and time again to make sure that this is well known to everybody. And so I don't think that they can, I don't think one is dominating the other. Um, quite frankly, I think they need, they, they're probably in those conversations that Jimmy had with Dan over the weekend. I'm sure that both of those, uh, you know, were mentioned, uh, you know, probably listen, you know, we don't like the fact that you, you know, kind of expressed opinions that we feel are off base, you know, out of line in terms of our policies, but also the fact that you criticized our policies, you know, that's no good either. Um, so I, I think that that's what makes this particularly tricky here. All right. So Jim, let me, let me play devil's advocate a little bit. It's not devil's advocate to you. It's, it's more of sort of a devil's advocate to some of the semantics here. Uh, we know ESPN and Jimmy Pataro have said, it's not our jobs to cover politics purely. So let me play a little devil's advocate here and say, this isn't about politics, what Dan Lebertard's talking about. He's talking about race. And that, that they are different. There's a different thing here. I went to ESPN's social media policy that's on ESPNFrontRow.com. In one of the guidelines, they say, and I quote here, ESPN is a journalistic organization, not a political or advocacy organization. We should do nothing to undermine that position. We are committed to inclusion, tolerance, and that which makes us different. But we must remember that public comments on social platforms will reflect on ESPN and may affect your own credibility as a journalist. Obviously, you know, I think we're all smart enough to understand what that means. But Jim, within that sort of specific guideline, there's a sentence, we are committed to inclusion, tolerance, and that which makes us different. If I was sort of advocating for Dan Lebertard, couldn't I argue that literally what he was talking about is literally that? He's talking about um, his reaction to inclusion, his reaction to tolerance? And why should that be considered pure politics if that's a talk show host's reaction 
to something that happened in the world and you are paying said talk show host to talk about his reactions to things that happen in the world, sports and otherwise. Listen, I think you've made an excellent point, and I think it was a point that ESPN recognized when they released that latest version of their social media policy. They said at the time, look, we can put down as much specific wording as possible, but there are going to be times when it's going to be really unclear. I mean, look, yesterday, Megan was talking about politics again, and ESPN had to cover it. Megan, uh, Megan, fact, it Megan Rapi- their- who are you talking about, Megan Rapino or someone else? Yeah, okay. Megan Rapino. I mean, one of the most, so they can't, as a sports organization, ignore one of the most visible athletes at this moment in, in the world. And in fact, I saw that it was on the ESPN screen at the bottom about what she had said. And so this notion that in this day and age, I mean, we don't have to go, back to 68 in the Olympics or other, you can go back to 36 and Jesse Owens in front of Hitler. I mean, the idea that these are two, uh, you know, silos and that they never intersect is impossible. It doesn't make sense. And it's never going to be totally separate. And that means that as an organization, so when they're talking about Megan Rapinoe, they are making comments about politics and therefore if it's on their screen how could their how could their hosts and their analysts and their commentators not talk about it it's a it's a really really screwed up situation from your reporting from people you've spoken with how has this been received at espn this sort of entire circumstance over the last uh well as we're taping this on tuesday over the last whatever 96 hours or so well, that's what I was referring to earlier because I've spoken probably more than a dozen, but I would say that I think that when Dan said what he did, people understood that he felt like he had to say it. They were amazed that he, some people were, gave him kudos and there was a lot of gumption involved. They thought, you know, that he took on the policy. But I think that the thing that's going on inside right now, ESPN, based on what I've been hearing, is that there is a kind of an amazement about the fact that nothing has been said publicly. Now, what we may be seeing is that Jimmy Pataro has decided that for the Pataro era, he is going to keep punishments private. They're not going to march out and say, you know, remember, we always used to wait. Oh, it's two weeks. It's two weeks without pay. It's three weeks. It's three weeks with pay. It's all these different machinations of discipline. And by the way, they were all largely subjective because it's not like a criminal code where, you know, it's armed robbery and whatever, you get 10 to 15. All these things were very all over the place. And if that's the case, by the way, Jimmy's president of ESPN, so he can do whatever he wants. I mean, as long as Bob says it's okay. But my only point is, I think then he needs to come out and say, this is a violation of our policy. I want every employee to remember that. And I'm going to deal with this punishment privately. We are no longer going to be um, signaling what kind of punishment uh, we're going to hand out. Because otherwise, you've got a lot of people now thinking, well, hold on. I mean, they, they sent this memo out reminding people of the policy. But it turns out that not everyone got it, first of all. And second of all, it, it didn't really – if it's a policy then – and then it, I don't understand what happens when you violate the policy. It just, it, there was a lot of confusion about that. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I, I would expect that would happen over the next few days is that there is at least some clarity, both about how they're going to handle that and also whether they're going to do it publicly or not. Well, here's the one thing, Jim. Um, there's been no public statements, correct, from Jimmy Pitaro uh, outwardly. But very clearly, he has his public relations department backgrounding reporters or sourcing reporters on stuff. I mean, anybody who's read these stories, you know, Bob, was it Bob Dylan who said, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows? It's pretty obvious, like, that they're getting their message out in in certain ways. So I, yeah, I, I hadn't been on Twitter when I tweeted, but I, um, I, just, I just, you know, all of a sudden turned over, tw- had a conversation, tweeted something. And then when I went on Twitter, like a half an hour later, I saw that the entire timeline, the um, La Placa Communications Department was doing their job and uh, reaching out to everyone with the uh, talking points of the day, which was, you know. Like, yeah, right. So, I mean, so they're, so they're getting, so they're getting, they're, 
they're getting their point out. But I agree with you. It it is um, it is surprising that the president. I mean, I would argue that part of the job of the president of a of a sports company is to at least be front facing and to say something. You know, even if I, Richard Deitch, or you, Jim Miller, disagree, I do think you gotta, as the leader, as the head of the snake, you gotta basically put it, say something, and at least um, go out there and let people know how you uh, view all this. I mean, look, let's go back. And let's go back to the initial months of Jimmy's stewardship, which is, you know, I mean, he basically, as we've discussed before, he basically had two big agenda items. One is try and repair the fractured relationship with the NFL. And the second is get politics the hell out of there. And he went a long way um, when Jamel left because she was a symbol of that uh, confluence. But this is in many ways, one could argue, the first example of the, you know, that policy being tested. And so, you know, if we were writing this as a script, we would say, well, given how much attention he paid for it at the beginning, paid to it at the beginning, he would be, you know, there would be like a immediate meeting and with HR or with Burbank or whoever they want to do. And there would be a kind of quick response. Now we're not, I'm not trying to judge him based on speed, but I think at some point I, it, it has been confusing for employees. And I mean, I don't care about those of us who write about it because that's, that's our tough luck that we, you know, that we don't have something. But I, I, again, I come back to this idea that even if he's changed course and decided that he's going to hand out punishments uh, privately, or, or maybe not, or maybe he's going to give warnings or whatever it is. Um, I think fellow employees need, uh, they, they should, they should be able to understand that. All right. So two, um, two things I want to run by you and get your reaction to having talked to some people inside and outside of ESPN about this. Um, two people really stood out to me, both really, really bright, having totally different opinions on this. One ESPN or said, uh, he slash she would suspend, I don't want to give sourcing away, he slash she would suspend Dan Lebertard for a week. And the, the point was that you, you can't have somebody, um, you can't have somebody not understand the words uh, and the weight of the platform that they have. And it's putting politics in a spotlight back on ESPN. And they've sort of the larger, the, the argument is sort of jeopardizing the, the sort of whole company. The other thing, the other source, he slash she says, you absolutely can't um, suspend Lebertard. One, it's a person of color who has every right to sort of speak his or her truth or how his or her or he or she sort of sees things. And then secondly, by suspending Lebertard, you would make him an absolute symbol and or martyr of this situation. So I can understand both viewpoints, but I did want to get your reaction to sort of how you see, how you, how you see twin parallels there. Yeah, I don't understand the second point because Jamel was – a uh, woman of color, and she was suspended. Um, by the way, a lot of reports have been mistaken because she actually wasn't su- wasn't suspended for the Trump tweets. She was suspended when it got to Dallas Cowboys and sponsorship in the NFL. But my only point is, she was suspended. Other people have been suspended. I don't I don't get that one. Um, and look, I mean, for the first one, I think that people. You know, they're, it's a it's a company. There are policies. So right. maybe Jimmy wants to institute a warning, which is, you know, he's going to say to Dan, look, you know what? I understand this issue strikes really close to home. And in the moment you decided to go for it. Uh, and you know what? Please make sure it doesn't happen again. I mean, of course, that doesn't address the second part, which was attacking company policy, um, which I I do believe some people in executive row there are more upset about that than they were the, the commenting on the political part of it. Um, so it's, it's a tricky business. It's a tricky business. I do believe at the end of the day, you know, because it's important to think of solutions, not just problems, that I just, I think the only way out of this in the future is for, I mean, employees, just think you're, 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 you're really good at what you do or you, you, you're really good at expressing your opinions and then you get there and you can't do it on, on, on things that are really important to you. And I think the only way out is for individuals to be allowed to have their own 
individual social media accounts. And they should be able to, just like everybody else in the country, express themselves on social media and their own opinions. And they can't do it on their ESPN social media accounts. And they shouldn't um, let the lines cross except when, you know, maybe it's exactly on point in a discussion like we were talking about with Megan or something, if they're covering that. But otherwise, it seems, it seems uh, I don't know, unsustainable to basically make sure that every person who gets hired um, is, is acknowledging that they have to make this Faustian bargain, that they're going to work there, but they're going to keep, you know, thoughts that may be, in the case of Dan, near and dear to their heart and really upsetting to them. Uh, to themselves. So Jim, I, like I agree with you. Th- this strikes me as like the most logical um, thing to do. I think, you know, including my place, I feel like they trust us to sort of um, be able to speak our mind on many different topics on our social media feed. And it, that seems like sort of the adult thing to do. But historically, ESPN has um, said that there's no difference between your social media feed and ESPN's airwaves. Um, I remember, and I'll get your comment on this, uh, Bob Lee, when I wrote about Jamel, I think this was Jamel either being suspended or right before she was suspended. And Bob Lee, um, Jim Trotter, TJ Quinn, all sort of uh, were good enough to go on the record with me. And Bob Lee said, I love Jamel and consider her a friend, and she has many here. I worked with her on a number of shows and projects, and she was a guest on OTL even before she joined us. I'm well aware of a number of folks will agree with the substance of her comments while others will reject them just as readily. You can love the sinner and hate the sin. It clearly was not a proper use of a company-provided megaphone. So Lee is saying that Twitter is that. There are important responsibilities that come with the many perks, and chief among these them I'm sorry, and chief among those these days is realizing your words carry the weight of your platform. You speak for more than yourself. So Bob Lee would be one who would say, Jim, that even if you separate this as you're suggesting, your Twitter feed will always be a reflection of ESPN. I don't necessarily agree with that, but but I understand where Bob Lee is coming from. And I'm I un- not sure. Was he really saying that? Because he does say that it's the corporate account. No, I think he. Right? I, I think if you asked him, he would say that whatever an ESPN employee says on their Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook is ultimately reflective of ESPN and not just them. Yeah. I mean, look – it's doable, and it's certainly there's a lot of people. I mean, one of my favorite indoor sports is to sometimes talk to people at ESPN who, you know, while we're talking about background, are venting, by the way, on the left and on the right about the news of the day, but you can hear in their voice that it's so great for them to be able to talk about it because they can't do it publicly and they can't do it socially on social media. And so it's almost like you're, you know, you're in solitary confinement and you get that hour of sunshine on the, you know, on on the back gated area because they, they, it's not like you don't think these things. It's not like you don't have opinions. And so I think it's a lot, I think it's a lot harder than people realize for employees at ESPN to, or at least some, some don't care and some don't want their, you know, there are several prominent figures at ESPN, a couple who are very conservative, um, by the way, who like to keep their own orthodoxies to themselves and they have no desire to share their thoughts and their support for the president or his policies or anything like that because it's private to them. But there are other people who feel like it's just an extension of who they are. And these times are, you know, they, they think these times are so pivotal that it's really tough for them not to be able to engage and not to be able to, to speak about how they feel. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's interesting because it's, it's a different way of thinking. And it's, I think it really is hard for some people. Jim, do you see a fundamental difference between what Dan Lebertard said on his radio show and first take with Will Kane, Stephen A. Smith, Max Kellerman, et cetera, debating um, an issue like uh, the Flyers pulling down Kate Smith's God Bless America because she sang some pretty racist songs in the 30s or any sort of any topic on ESPN that they cover within a quote-unquote sports prism that relates to race or politics or something else. Like, is there, you, do you think, I'm asking you your opinion, do you think there's a fundamental difference between what Lebertar did in a three minute take 
and what First Take might do in a seven-minute segment, where both the, but bo- bo- you know, where 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 the only difference to me would be that like, yeah, it's within the context, I guess, of like a sports organization. But I mean, it gets to me so silly. Like, couldn't I argue Donald Trump is a former USFL owner, and thus I can now just. Instead of saying President Donald Trump, I'll just say for, the former USFL owner said this. Do, haven't I now just created this in a sports context? I mean, I know I'm being silly, but do, do you know? My, you sort of see my point? No, I think the nature of your point is that it's a very slippery slope, and there's lots of shades, shades of gray here. Now, we're obviously separating the part where Dan criticized company policy because that is something they that's that's different. Let's put that aside for a second. But yes, I mean, look, if if somebody was talking about Correct. That's different. Megan's comments yesterday on the air at at ESPN, then I mean, how do they where do they draw the line? I guess they draw the line on whether or not they endorsed their comments or not. But once you go down that path, it could be very, very sketchy in terms of whether or not you're going to be able to have the discipline, particularly live on the air, to stay away from any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of statement that might get you caught up in it. So it's, it's really difficult. Look, I think that we have this, we have this kind of uber journalistic debate going on and crises going on now in the country about real news and fake news and what are facts and alternative facts and all this stuff. And that is like, that's the big deal, right? I mean, we have to sort this out and we have to struggle through it and everything else. But I will say that the idea of social media and particularly as it relates to employees of publicly held companies and their ability to articulate their own thoughts. I mean, that's something that I think is still, we're still wrestling with and it's still a problem for many, many individuals and many companies. And, you know, there's no easy answer, but that's why I say, you know, the whole thing sucks. Jim, how much do you think, um, all of this is in reaction to, um, to ESPN not wanting to be in the uh, the spotlight of um, the White House, the President of the United States, in terms of public comments or Twitter comments, and maybe more importantly, right right leaning or very far light right leaning media, which loves to sort of use them as a pinata for, I mean, it's you know, political correctness run amok or. You know what, or the you know the 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 left leaning Megan Rapino loving organic coffee drinking network. How much of this, all of this, is in reaction to what they fear of being part of a bad cycle versus versus something else? Well, listen, they got they got the crap beat out of them in two thousand, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, you know, some of eighteen. I mean, they that was not fun. Uh, for them. And it was very serious. And I will say that uh, the people that the, the network's distractors, detractors were incredible in terms of weaponizing their arguments. And they were able to take quotes and they were able to make things viral. And they were able to, you know, tap into their own ecosystems and their own social media worlds to really, really give ESPN and Disney and Disney, because this became a big thing for Burbank, you know, a, a, a real problem. In fact, one could say that despite the fact that they were at that time losing in the in course of those years, you know, losing about 12 or 13 million households, that this branding or this idea that ESPN was the MSNBC of sports or it had a political agenda um, attached to it was probably the most challenging aspect um, of the company for, for the company and for Disney. And so that's just that those are days and those are months and those are years that they do not want to repeat, which is why when Bob gave Jimmy the job, he said, you got to make sure that you stay out of that world. That was a ground war in Southeast Asia for them. You know, and they never, ever, ever want to return to it. And so I think that this is this is why this is such a pivotal moment in time. And this is why they have to be incredibly clear about their response to this, because if it was if there is a warning 
or I mean, look, I'm not advocating for Dan to be punished at all. I'm not saying that that's not my job. I'm just saying that in terms of policies and uh, employees understanding policies, uh, something, you know, whether it's a warning, whether it's nothing, whether it's keeping it private, whether it's whatever, um, it's a lot of people are, are really interested in seeing now how Jimmy did this. Last one, Jim, let's sort of play it forward. Um, you know, I think it was uh, Bill Simmons uh, on his podcast. I didn't listen to it, but I, I sort of heard at least part of the clip saying that you, these things usually don't end well for the talent. Um, I, I don't know. I, 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 I like. I have no idea what's going to happen. Sort of heading forward, certainly in the near term with Lebertard. I do know that um, he has a lot of people working for him. He, I would consider him a made man at ESPN. Anybody who is part of the Eric Ride Home family. Um, is pretty much a made person at ESPN, and the rules are different for made people than than rank and file at ESPN. That's just a reality, probably a reality in any other organization. And so, I, I'm not so convinced that like Lebert, Dan Lebertar is not going to be working at ESPN for the next five to ten years. Um, I, I don't know if this is going to sort of become untenable. Uh, the news cycle moves very quickly. People move on from these stories. How do you um, how do you view what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks regarding this? Well, I hope I didn't listen to Bill's podcast, but I hope Bill was saying that they don't work out well for employees at ESPN because certainly he and Jamelo thrived outside of ESPN. Yeah, yeah, he's he's talking about it. He's talking specific yeah. to ESPN, not um, obviously. I mean, talent talented people leave ESPN and yeah, do great. Yeah, okay. So uh, uh, look, no doubt. I mean, you mentioned Dan's in the Eric Ride Home universe, and Eric Ride Home is just you know one of the smartest and classiest people at, at ESPN. It's simple. I mean, it's not technically at ESPN, but who, who, who produces for ESPN. And so he's in very, very good hands. And I think that if he were, if he wants to stay and if, uh, you know, I mean, they're not going to fire him over this. I think that he could have a great future there if he wants. And particularly given the fact that he's got Eric, um, over his shoulder. Um, but it, it is, it requires a lot of discipline. I, you know, and I think it's, it's something that you have to look at yourself instead of looking at yourself in the mirror, like the executives want you to, at, you know, seven o'clock in the morning and say, okay, from this moment that I've woken up, I am an ambassador of ESPN. You also have to remind yourself that because of that, you are not able to do and say everything that you want to do and say. And that requires a lot of discipline day in and day out. And I think that, you know, we're past, I mean, sometimes Jamel once got suspended and she said, you know, I had no idea that the reaction would be like that. And I think one of the things that we learned from 2008 to now in terms of social media at ESPN is that employees are keenly aware of the fact that their words, their statements have a lot of life to them beyond that moment. In fact, one of the things that happened in, between 2016 and 2018 is people, this happened to Jamel. She actually said something on the air and everyone kind of ignored it. And then when she tweeted it, it became a firestorm. That's how screwed up things are. I mean, that's how wild social media has become in the equation. I mean, just think about that. She tweeted it after she had already said it and after no one had pushed back. No one in the executive offices, no one in the control room, no one, there wasn't like phone calls into the network or anything like that. She says it, she goes and tweets it and it becomes like a real problem. So it's like, it's crazy world. So I think that, you know, you just, I mean, I mean Dan, Dan can do it if he wants to, if he's willing to make that Faustian bargain. Um, but I don't think the the one thing that we can say for sure is it's probably if you want to stay at ESPN probably not a good idea to go and criticize management publicly and uh do it either through social media or any other way because that certainly has um that that is a trail of tears do you agree with this and it's it's a, it's I'm not trying to be flippant but a wise ESPNer once told me that you can almost do anything at ESPN content-wise, almost say anything at ESPN content-wise, but the second you fuck with their money is the second that you're in trouble. And 
I, I, you know, you can, one could certainly argue that talking about, I mean, I guess I should say not one. I disagree. You, you disagree with that. Okay. Well, I was going to say ESPN, well, I mean, Matt. Listen, Tony, Tony saying something about Hannah Storm's outfits. I, I'm sorry, but I don't think that has any financial repercussions. Oh, I agree. I, 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 I agree with you, but Tony Kornheiser still works at ESPN. So that he, so yeah, he was suspended. He lost, a, he lost a, a paycheck, but he, he's still there. He's still collecting money from, uh, from the coffers, right? It didn't right, really my, affect my them. My point is, though, that that they still. So it's not that you can do anything, uh, uh, you know, except for for you know for when it is financial, because. But the, yeah, but he didn't. He but I don't think he. Um, what I'm saying is, Kornheiser's comment was crude and prop and sexist, but he didn't. He didn't. Fu- he didn't irrevocably fuck with their revenue stream, which is what, which was what I think management thought Jamel did with her tweet. Oh, but I thought the point of the statement is you can do anything, but that means that you won't get in trouble. And he got in trouble. Uh, no, I was, I was more saying that like you can do anything sort of with short and you're not going to get fired unless you do blank. Obviously suspension. Yeah. Suspension. Oh, 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 well that's, oh yeah. Okay. I mean, if that's, I, I, I didn't realize it was binary, you know, staying or going. Um, well, sure. There's a lot of things you can do that, um, you know, if you look back on the suspensions of the last decade, there are a lot of things that you can do and still stay at the network. Um, you know, Kurt Schilling got bounced actually not for political utterances, but for, uh, you know, for behaving for, um, you know, subordination. And that was that was the reason why. Yeah, after mul- after, by the way, by the way, after multiple um, instances, and I was one who tweeted out the guy should absolutely not be suspended for anything. Um, he initially said, and I, if I remember correctly, I don't remember when he was suspended, but um, he ultimately was let go because they considered it an un, um, an untenable situation given the repeated stuff. But I w- I'm very consistent on this. I don't think that guy should have been suspended the first time he was uh, whatever whatever he sent out on his social media feeds about Hillary Clinton or, or some other Democrat. Right. So let me ask you a question. Sure. You follow the place. How many times has somebody been suspended for saying something political at ESPN? Uh, that's a good question. I have to sort of, uh, go through my Rolodex here. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I have to do the research on that. Do you know the answer to this? I, I mean, are I you, are, I is, the, is sort of I mean, the, is the big answer zero? I think the answer is zero because. Yeah. Although again, I, Jim, you have to admit that the, um, <laughs> the Jamel suspension is a little, there, there is sort of just being cute. Like she got suspended for a tweet suggesting on how NFL, um, how NFL fans could boycott or use their financial power to boycott the NFL, but that was in wake of no, 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 but the Richard, comments in Trump. Richard, after the Trump tweets, Jamel came in to Skipper's office. He went to DefCon One on her and got madder at her that day than he did at any other single person during the entire time of his presidency or when he was head of content. And when she walked out, that slate was clear. He had given her marching orders for the way to behave in the future. That was not, I mean, if she had done, she, she was, that wasn't like, you know, when they gave Denzel, you know, the, the Academy Award um, one year because they should have given it to him the year before. This was when she did that, when she went after the NFL and she went after sponsorships and Jerry Jones in particular, if she had never said and never tweeted the Trump stuff two weeks before, she still would have gotten suspended. Okay, so here you go. I'm looking this up here. Linda Cohn, do you consider the stay away from take a day off a suspension or take a day off? And then Schilling was, was suspended. Was, um, but remember, what did Linda Cohn say? I'm trying to remember. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, she basically said that the company should not talk politics, right? Isn't that what she said? Or something to that effect? Or we're losing people because we're talking politics? Something to that effect? Right. So that's company policy. That's not politics. Okay. Schilling suspended uh, in 2015 for comparing Muslims to Nazis, if I remember um, right. And then uh, Keith Law – wasn't Keith Law – suspended uh, from Twitter for engaging shilling about evolution? Is that considered politics or uh, uh, or something else? Those are the ones I remember. There could be others. Yeah, I mean, that one is, that one, I guess maybe we can put that one under the rubric of politics, but I will say at the time, like, that's not something about the president or something yes. that's going on. on agreed, the, agreed, different. You know, re- reacting to capital P politics. 
We could we could we could agree though, Jim. We can agree that the most consistent thing about ESPN when it comes to discipline is their inconsistency. Are we at least in agreement with that? Yes, but you know, look. I, I, and by the way, this is not a shameless plug, but I did this podcast on the history of social media um, at ESPN, and I interviewed Skipper and Simmons and Jamel and everybody. And one of the things, one of the reasons why I did it is because I wanted to show the roller coaster ride dating back to 2008 and 2009. And the truth is that no matter who was going to be president of ESPN during those years, because because social media was becoming such an engine and such a big part of the equation for the network, there were lots of fits and starts. You know, sometimes, particularly with an evolving technology, you know, you, you don't get it right the first time. Or something happens that you had no idea was going to have such a deleterious effect on the company. And so they, you know, it's like this social media policy that you just read on the web is like social media 11.0. I mean, they've, you know, the one thing you can say is that they continue to go back to the well and try and refine and, ex- and extend their, you know, kind of guidelines. But sometimes I wound up just confusing people and then a new guidelines would come out. And I, you know, I was, I was with a couple of people one time they go, Oh my God, I'm not even going to read it because, you know, I mean, who knows what they've come up with this time. And, you know, I was like, well, you, you might want to read it because you're an employee, <laughs> you know, who knows, but I, it's, it, it's not, it's not a kind of a very simple matter to address. And it hasn't been simple for other places as well. It just so happens that ESPN has over a thousand people that appear on the air. At one point they had, you know, over 7,000 employees, many who are, you know, uh, don't lack for uh, opinions. And so it became a, a real firestorm for them. And, you know, lo and behold, here we are again. Uh, I would uh, just conclude by saying, trust your employees to be adults. That that would be my uh, that would be my social media policy. All right, Jim, is there anything else you want to add before we uh, before we let you go? You've been very generous with your time today. No, I, listen. I I hope things work out for Dan, and uh, I just think that you know sometime soon uh, everybody gets clarity on this. Jim Miller is the uh, best-selling author of uh, multiple books. He is the uh, host of the Origins podcast, which is. Uh, part of the uh, Cadence 13 family that I am part of. Go uh, on iTunes or, or Google Play or uh, anywhere where you get your podcasts and uh, download, uh, or I should say subscribe to Jim Miller's Origins, and he'll be coming out with some new stuff soon. So it'll pop right into your inbox. Uh, Jim, always great to catch up with you. I uh, This is not the last chapter of this, so you'll certainly be back. Thank you uh, for joining me today on the Sports Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, as I mentioned at the top, Jim Trotter is now the next guest on this podcast. He is one of my favorite colleagues. We worked for many years at Sports Illustrated together. Um, And as I said at the time, uh, one of the absolute mistakes that Sports Illustrated management then made to let him go. He then went on to ESPN, as I said. He's a terrific football reporter, a terrific thinker, a totally honest guy. He is now an NFL media, and Jim Trotter joins me on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, Jim, I want to um, – here's where I want to start. You worked at ESPN for, I think, four years. So you have, I think, really interesting perspective on what the current ESPN president, Jimmy Pitaro, keeps talking about when it comes to ESPN and politics. His direct quote, or this is a one of his direct quotes, I will tell you I have been very, very clear with employees here that it is not our jobs to cover politics purely. Pure politics commentary, Jim, as a literal read, would refer to political coverage that has no intersection with sports. As someone who worked at ESPN, as someone who obviously is paying attention to all this stuff, how do you view 
what the ESPN president is saying from afar regarding what his employees can or cannot do? Well, I think first and foremost, I understand it from a business standpoint, what he's trying to accomplish. But I think from a, from a human standpoint, I think he misses the mark. Um, you know, look, it, it's sad that it feels that, you know, the one color we place above all is green. And from a business standpoint, that's what it sounds like he's doing. The reality is sports and politics have always intersected. I mean, you can go back throughout history and find it, whether we're talking about the 68 Olympics, whether we're talking about, you know, Jim Brown, um, um, uh, Muhammad Ali, John Wooten, those folks back in the day in terms of the NFL and whatnot. So sports and politics have, have always intersected. But I would go so far, Richard, as to say what we're talking about today is not politics. I mean, we're talking about racism, xenophobia, all these other things that that impact people on a human level. And I think what happens is you get to a point where you just become exhausted of, of constantly feeling like you're under attack. And, and that's where we're at. And if we can't recognize that, and if we can't be true to that, and if we can't recognize that employees of color are feeling some of these things, um, I just think it's sad. I think it's unfortunate. Jim, what, um, what were some of the, I, I, I realize these issues existed when you were at ESPN, obviously things are probably more heightened as we have headed forward in the Trump era. But how would it have been seen had you expressed some of these viewpoints, let's say on your social media feeds when you were working at ESPN? It's a great question, and, and I don't have an answer. I, I know that when things went down with Jamel and I tweeted out that um, I stood behind her and I, I supported her, um, because the one thing as journalists we're taught to do is to speak truth to power. And um, I felt she was speaking truth to power. So I didn't catch any flack there. Um, there, had, there were instances where I did have one of my bosses, you know, reach out to me on something uh, when I had tweeted something about, say, the commissioner and, and say that, you know, they felt that I had crossed the line. Um, in particular, it was an instance where, uh, during the draft, the Laramie Tunsil draft, where, if you'll recall, there was a video put out of him, you know, with a bong mask on or whatever. And, and the next morning, the commissioner was on um, Mike and Mike and had said something to the effect of, um, you know, that that's part of the reason why draft ratings are as high as they are and whatnot, because of, you know, that. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here and putting in my own words, but basically that entertainment value or whatever. And I just thought that that was so unfortunate that, you know, here on the biggest night of, of this young man's life, um, you know, he's potentially being exploited um, and extorted and we sort of make light of it. And I felt it was wrong. And I, and I said something about it. And um, I had a boss reach out to me and say that he felt I had crossed the line, and I told him I didn't feel I crossed the line. That I felt that that um, you know that that if this is the face we're going to put forward, it's the wrong face. And you know, and I was I I sort of thought at that point I might wind up getting suspended, and and I didn't. So I give ESPN credit for that. But you know, the reality is is that you know it, it, it at some point. When you start talking about the management level, and this is why, to me, diversity is so important, is because um, you have to try and put yourself in, in, in the shoes of others who may not look like you or share the same life experiences as you, those sorts of things. And if you're unable to do that, we're going to continue to run into these problems. And look, I'll be honest with you, Richard, I try as much as I can on, on my social media feeds and whatnot, not to get bogged down in, in some of these things that are going on. Um, but some things are bigger than sport, you know? And when you have some of the things that are taking place now in terms of, you know, what are clearly, um, you know, uh, um, um, racist uh, comments by, you know, the person in the highest office in this land, um, as just as a human being, you feel a need to, to, to address that. And, and so I would hope again that, that folks in management who do not share the same backgrounds, the same experiences um, as I do, and I, I for sure don't mean to speak for all um, black folk, but um, 
I'm just speaking for myself here. Um, I would just hope that people would understand why we feel the way we, why I feel the way I feel and, and why it resonates so strongly with me. That's well said, Jim. I want to read something that you told me uh, on the record uh, two years ago when I wrote about, I believe it was Jamel Hill being suspended or maybe right before she was suspended, but was getting a, a ton of heat for her tweets on Donald Trump and white supremacy. And you said, black folk are tired and we have to recognize some of the things that are going on in this country. And we have to be honest about it and meet it head on, said Trotter, an ESPN senior writer. If you are black and know the history of our country, you can understand her frustration. It is time we stop pretending it is not true. The reason I tweeted what I tweeted is I know Jamel. I've spent time with her. I know what she's about. And I wanted to say I support her as a friend and a colleague. If anyone has a problem with that, that is on them. Thought at the time that was really, really strong. And honest. And two years later, Jim, <laughs> it's kind of amazing that I wouldn't even say we're in the same place. I'd say we're, we're in a worse place. I would agree. When I read that back to you, what's your feeling like now in 2019 about something you said in 2017? Um, that I wasn't very eloquent with it, but um, I, I hope I made my point and that everything I said then I stand behind. Um, look, the reality here is is that I've had this conversation with some owners who, who I feel I can have honest conversations with. And I've talked to them about, um, and I'm speaking about NFL owners, and, and I, I've asked, when is enough enough in terms of, of revenue and money and those sorts of things? When does principle become more important than profit? And, you know, and, and a couple of them have said to me, that's a great question. Um, because at some point, I believe you have to stand for something besides just the dollar. And so, again, when, when Jamel said what she said, um, I felt, at least personally, I could understand where she was coming from. And, um, and so I felt it was important to, to stand behind her and, and at least let her know, you know, she's not alone, which I know she knew that. And, um, you know, I'm just one person. But I just felt it was important to, to publicly say that, you know, I stand, I stand behind her and I support her. Um, and if it happened again today, I would do it again today. So I, I just think ESPN, in my opinion, and it's not just ESPN, I should say that. I think it, 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 it crosses the boundaries of sport into other businesses and whatever. I just think, again, this is why it's so important to have diversity at the upper management levels to truly try and understand, if not empathize, with what some of your workers are going through who happen to be people of color and who are experiencing some of these things, who feel like they're under attack. Um, I, I just think it's critical. And so um, for folks who say, for instance, that, that ESPN um, took this position because it was losing subscribers and these sorts of things, um, it's, it's so wrong. Um, now, there may be some who backed away from ESPN because of it, but look, you know this, Richard, as well as anyone. What's happening now in terms of, of, of diminished viewership has to do with how um, sports is being consumed or how, how um, entertainment products are being consumed. You know, people are cutting the cord with cable. Um, the younger generation is consuming it on their phones, on their tablets, those sorts of things. That's not a political problem. That's a business problem. Um, and, and ESPN and everyone else has to figure out how to deal with that. So I tend to look at every time, for instance, recently, when there is this so-called or, or purported uproar when Colin Kaepernick and Nike do something and how they're not going to support Nike anymore. And then what do we see when the numbers come out? The Nike stock actually rises. So I think, I think that businesses have to be conscious of exactly um, whether or not what they are saying and what they are, are purporting is true or not. Um, and there are a lot of people who do support Colin Kaepernick, who do um, support the fight against racism, xenophobia, all these other things. And, um, and I'm one of those people who support it. I believe it's a human issue, that it's not a political issue. Jim, uh, we're talking about this within the larger prism of, um, of uh, what Dan Lambertard said uh, this week. So I'm going to get to him in a second. Your point about, uh, and, and I've done too many podcasts at this point on sort of the nexus of sports and politics and race, but Taylor Rooks at um, Bleacher Report 
tweeted out something this week that really stood with me. And she said, it would be weird to ask, do you want politics with your sports? Because sports are inherently political. It doesn't matter if you want it. It already is. It's people. And then she said on top of that, these aren't politics. This is simply right versus wrong. Simply being decent isn't political. But her larger point was in terms of sort of a business kind of look, Jim, like no one in the world would answer a question on a survey that said, do you want politics with your sport? It's like the 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 premise somehow that like you're doing focus groups is 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 incorrect anyway, because who on earth would basically sort of like be like, yes, I want politics instead of sports on a sports network. It's not the point. The point is that they are inevitably linked. As you said, Jesse Owens, Tommy Smith, John Carlos, Muhammad Ali, Jack Johnson. Like it's the history of the country. So this is what's very frustrating about ESPN because like the whole notion somehow to buy in that this isn't connected is just a falsehood. And there's supposed to be a news organization that fights falsehoods. To get back to Levitard, what he said, and he was absolutely right, was that we here at ESPN don't have the stomach for the fight. We don't talk about what is happening unless there is some sort of weak, cowardly sports angle that we can run it through. And Jim, that's where I feel like the sort of the policy that Pataro has set really is going to end up burning him time and time again. Because that in itself, Jim, is sort of, um, you know, you, 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 how do, how do I, so that's all subjective too. Like what, what is determined to be the sports angle, right? Like, you know, is Manny Pacquiao's sort of anti-gay rhetoric? Is that enough of a sports angle for me to talk about this? Uh, Donald Trump once on, once on the USFL team. Like, is that enough now for me to say it's sports? Do you know what I mean, Jim? The whole sort of premise of that becomes so subjective. So I understand Lebertard's frustration on that because all it does is just end up watering stuff down to run it through some kind of sports angle um, because the sports angle itself is subjective. Yeah, he, look, he's right, but but also the reality is he has enough clout to say what he said. Most folks at ESPN are not going to say what he said, um, and I understand that um, because we all have bills to pay, so I get it. Um, fortunately, he's someone who has the clout and the wherewithal to speak truth to power, and 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 be comfortable with that um you know it's just it's just sad that it's come to this because the thing that i find fascinating is particularly in this age of social media you always hear or at least i've heard companies say for instance to me um we want you all to interact with with the public we want them to get to know you more we want you to give them glimpses of things um behind the scenes or what you're truly about whether it's on twitter or instagram or whatever and the minute you start to show who you really are, then it's like, oh, no, 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 you can't go there. Don't do that. You know, that's going to create a problem. Well, um, this is who I am as a person. And so do you want me to show it or do you not want me to show it? Um, because if, if I do, if I just give snippets of certain things, then I'm not being authentic to myself or to the public. So um, I understand it's a fine line and all of that, but but I believe that many in the business particularly once they get to the level of ESPN or elsewhere, are smart enough to understand, you know, what they can and they can't say, um, you know, in terms of whether it's just being inflammatory or whether it's being authentic. And I, I tend to believe that, that the public will accept um, authenticity uh, more and is smart enough to accept authenticity as opposed to something that is fake. Uh I want to read you something that's from Bob Lee, who both of us know very, very well. I think both of us respect because he has a different take on what your social media feeds represent. So let me read you a quote that he gave me again during uh, in the same piece, in fact, where you were quoted on Jamel. So this is Bob Lee. I love Jamel and consider her a friend and she has many here. I've worked with her on a number of shows and projects, and she was a guest on OTL even before she joined us. I'm well aware a number of folks will agree with the substance of her comments, and others will reject them just as readily. You can love the sinner and hate the sin. It clearly was not a proper use of a company-provided megaphone. There are important responsibilities that come with the many perks, and chief among them these days is realizing your words carry the weight of your platform. You speak more. You speak for more than yourself. 
what Bob Lee has always said, um, including in a recent interview with me on the athletic gym is that if you're at ESPN and you tweet something out, you're not just Jim Trotter tweeting that out. You're ESPN tweeting that out. Um, while I have immense respect for Bob Lee, I, 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 I tend to think that that's, I'll be blunt, a bit of a privileged viewpoint. Um, and I think maybe Bob would even admit that as well. And I say that, you know, again, as a white male in a very white male dominated industry, that's had a lot of, a lot of privileges. Um, how do you view Bob Lee's words on that? Um, the notion that if somebody says something on their social media feed, even if the intentions are good, it, it's not just them talking, it's the larger company talking. Um, as you know, I have great respect for Bob. Um, he's a man. I, and I said this to him when, when he retired, he, you know, he's a beacon. So, um, but we do disagree on this. And, and ultimately I come back to this again, um, not to repeat myself, but you know, um, how much is enough? And at what point do you stop putting profit over people? And, you know, look, as media, again, we are taught when you come into this business to be able to speak truth to power. And yet the thing that I find fascinating, um, and I know someone when this is all over, um, will do a deep dive on just how the media has covered this administration and whatnot. Um, I just find it interesting that we seem to be afraid to call things what they really are. We find euphemisms for lies or, or now misstatements, those sorts of things. And it just, it drives me nuts. Um, call it what it is. And again, uh, the public is smart enough to understand what's happening and knows when you're being um, truthful about it and when you're portraying it accurately. And look, I understand we, we now live in a tribal time where everyone is in their, quarter, in their, their own corners, but I truly believe that decency has to win out. And I believe that as journalists, it is our job to, to speak truth to power. So, um, look, if, 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 if companies don't want us commenting on things that affect us, then don't have us on social media. And I'm okay with that because I, I, I could give it up in a heartbeat. But if you're asking me to be on it, then you have to let me be me. Last one for me, Jim. Um, it strikes it strikes me that not strikes me. I should sort of be so formal. What is obviously clear is this is going to come up again. The notion that this week is the last time ESPN sort of intersects into this uh, terrain is silly, given that we are heading towards a presidential election where all the rhetoric is going to again, Richard. Some things are bigger than sport. You know, right? I I, I agree. My I, what I'm heading down is, I, I feel like there's the company's going to run into this again and again and again. What do you think is going to happen? And my sense is that we're just. I feel like we're going to be replaying this this scene a couple of times in the in the next year, if not more. Um, I'm not so sure how often it's going to happen, to be honest with you, because I think that based on the way that Jamel was treated. Um, that you have folks who are more conscious now of, of being very careful about what they say. And again, Levitard is different. He has the clout to, to say what he wants. I mean, he has, um, he's extremely popular. I don't know the ratings, but I'm sure his shows and his radio show are, are highly rated. Um, so he has the ability to say, you know what? If ESPN wants to get rid of me, there's somebody else who's going to take me in a heartbeat. Um, not everyone at ESPN can say that. And so I don't think that they're going to say uh, things that they may really want to say or express what they really feel. So I think I think in some ways um, the treatment of Jamel has had a ripple effect there where, where it has silenced some people in terms of, of truly saying what they feel or, or saying it, saying, um, expressing it in a way that um, they would normally express it. So I, I don't know how often ESPN is going to run into this, to be honest with you, because there are only so many people there who can feel comfortable, comfortable enough in their situation to say, you know what, whatever happens, happens. Hmm. You, you know what? Maybe I'm misreading that. You may be right. And the one thing about Lebertard, obviously, is um, has a lot of uh, has a lot of powerful people in that company. 
uh, Eric Rideholm, chief among them, who sort of have his back. And you're right, you know, he's a revenue generator and a big name, and that that always gives you power. You know, if you're at Sports Illustrated during our era, Peter King can say things that Richard Deitch cannot. So in that sense, or Jim Trotter. No, I feel like Jim Trotter could say anything he wants. That's just my own personal. Uh, that's my. That, that's, uh, no, I, I wish that. No, were trust true. me. I know. Richard, <laughs> Jim Trotter, and Richard Deitch are down the line. Peter Peter King is 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 in front of the line. Um, listen, Jim, uh, I appreciate you giving me some time today. Uh, I got a great deal of respect for your perspective, as you know, and um, I'll certainly continue to be reading you in NFL media, and I hope you can come back sometime later in the year or, uh, uh, you know, when, even if it's not ESPN, sort of these issues continue to, to bubble up because um, the intersection of sports, race, and politics is what we live with every day, and it's not going in anywhere. And, uh, and I appreciate your sort of wise words on this podcast, so thanks very much for joining me today. No, I appreciate you having me, Richard. Always a pleasure. All right, back in the studio, my thanks to Jim Trotter, of course, and Jim Miller for uh, both of them coming on today and what I hope was really, uh, um, you know, at least compelling or interesting conversation. Uh, Prior to this podcast, we had uh, How Boxing Gets Covered in 2019 with Mike Coppinger and Lance Pugmire. So if you follow boxing and you're interested in how that sport gets covered today, uh, check that one out. Before that, Conrad Thompson, the, uh, the wrestling podcaster, Podfather, the uh, host of four immensely popular wrestling podcasts. We talked to him about how two of his guys, uh, Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, now working both for the WWE, how will that impact um, his podcast? For that, Bob Lee, who was mentioned on this podcast, recently retired from ESPN after 40 years with the network, and uh, we did 50 minutes or so on uh, his career, why he decided to uh, step away now, and, uh, and some other issues. And then just go down the list of uh, the podcast if you're interested in this kind of stuff. Taylor Twelman, a couple weeks ago, uh, Taylor Rooks, Jim Ross, uh, Adnan Verk, Jamel Hill, Rick Riley, Renee Young, Paul Heyman, if you're a WWE fan. Head to the uh, Apple Podcast page, Sports Media with Richard Deitch, or, uh, or Stitcher, or uh, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and uh, um, radio.com. Check this stuff out. All right. My thanks to... Um, my thanks to both Terrence and Joe for producing this. Thank you to everybody at Cadence 13 for their support. And uh, we will see you soon on the Sports Media with Richard Deutsch podcast. <laughs>